Welcome to Love Your Heart, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic's Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart and Vascular Institute. These podcasts will help you learn more about your heart, thoracic, and vascular systems, ways to stay healthy, and information about diseases and treatment options. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Dr. Deborah Kwan. And Hi, this is uh, Grant Reed. Uh, we just had a really great web chat um, about valve disease and treatment options. Um, so Grant and I thought we'd, first we'd start off with just talking about how we diagnose uh, valvular heart disease. Typically, the baseline study was, is with an echocardiogram. Um, and it's very important that you get a very good, high-quality echocardiogram because this is the basis uh, on which we diagnose disease. Um, typically, people think that all echoes are created equally, um, but actually it's very dependent on how um, well-trained the sonographer is in terms of really going after the valves and getting a comprehensive evaluation. So that's really the very first and foremost thing that we highly recommend that um, you get a very good baseline echocardiogram. And then from there, um, whatever disease is diagnosed, your symptoms really guide what further testing, evaluation, and treatment is needed. Um, if the disease is in the moderate to severe range, that's typically when we start to think about when treatment should be uh, determined or uh, considered. And some of the advanced imaging techniques that we offer to further evaluate these are stress echocardiography, transesophageal echocardiography, cardiac MRI, um, and CT scanning. Very good. Another common theme of the questions that we had asked were, how is uh, transcatheteric valve replacement performed? Uh, what are some of the indications for that? And what are, what are our treatment options? So just as Dr. Kwan said, uh, once you have a, a thorough evaluation uh, for uh, whether it be aortic valve disease or any other valve issue, then the next step is um, determining how best to treat it. And medications are often very effective for patients. However, with either valve stenosis or valve regurgitation, that be aortic mitral or any other valve, eventually it comes to a point that either surgery may be needed uh, or a catheter treatment may be needed. And when is it appropriate to do so? And in general, it's appropriate to have valve stenosis uh, or regurgitation treated uh, with a um, surgery. When patients start becoming symptomatic, when the heart starts to dilate, um, or when the heart function starts to go down. Those are some indications that um, we consider every day when we evaluate patients. And if it's decided that we need a mechanical treatment, either with you know, surgery or another, another catheter therapy, then we as a team uh, will discuss uh, this together. One of the great things about being at the Cleveland Clinic is that you know, every physician uh, has some uh, other physician to ask questions to. And our team-based approach helps us to come up with uh, the absolute best approach for every patient's care. So for the issue that I deal with mostly, which is aortic valve stenosis and transcatheter aortic valve replacement, we have a meeting uh, uh, every week where we discuss every patient that's a candidate, either for catheter-based aortic valve replacement, TAVR, or surgery, um, and we come up with a plan. The tests that are usually needed prior to transcatheter aortic valve replacement are an echocardiogram, uh, a CAT scan or an MRI scan, a heart catheterization, and a few other tests really to stratify patients for surgical risk. In patients that are medium or high risk, and those are patients that will typically have the option of having either surgery or TAVR. Uh, and um, patients that are low, low risk right now are currently being evaluated with a clinical trial. 
uh, which we can offer here at the Cleveland Clinic as well. Uh, TAVR is a very exciting field. I think uh, it's something which will continue to evolve and change and uh, has been transformative in this area. We're a very high volume center um, and in the context of that our, our outcomes are, are outstanding and we encourage anyone who uh, wants a second opinion about their aortic valve disease or wants to consider an evaluation for this to, to come and, and have that done here. Because even if it isn't TAVR ultimately which they end up getting, uh, we end up moving them in the right direction either towards surgery or medical therapy if that's what's best for the patient. So, so that was a very common question that we got asked about as well. One other question, uh, which I, is another really nice example of um, bridging the gaps between specialties and within cardiology and surgery especially, is mitral valve disease. And this is something which, you know, patients are very interested in uh, what are the new and upcoming treatments for mitral valve disease with, with catheter therapies. The surgical outcomes for treatment of mitral valve disease are, are in general excellent and patients that are good candidates for surgery, then that's usually what we recommend for patients, unless there's a good reason why they can't have surgery. And maybe Dr. Kwan can speak a little bit about what goes into your decision making in terms of is a patient ready for, for mitral valve surgery or not, and, and should they get a repair or replacement? That's a very common you know, question that patients ask. So. Yeah, so here at the Cleveland Clinic, the most common cause of mitral regurgitation is mitral valve prolapse. And patients who have significant mitral regurgitation will be followed serially uh, with clinic visits and echocardiograms to see if their mitral regurgitation is progressing. Um, because our surgical outcomes here at the Cleveland Clinic are so good, um, we do recommend surgery uh, if the valve can be repaired and if the patient has severe mitral regurgitation, even if there aren't symptoms. Um, this is because we feel that this will improve the patient's outcomes and prevent the likelihood of the patient um, developing heart failure and complications related to that. Um, but the real issue for us is to determine whether or not the valve severity is truly severe. And sometimes that can be difficult in mitral valve um, prolapse because the mitral regurgitation can be somewhat hard to see. Um, and therefore, it's quite common that we get advanced imaging such as stress echocardiography, um, transesophageal echo, or uh, cardiac MRI to further evaluate the presence of the severity. Um, while we are aggressive in uh, repairing valves that are asymptomatic, they do need to be in the uh, severe range for that to be justified. Um, on the flip side, if a patient has uh, moderate to severe disease but has symptoms, um, then symptoms always guide uh, the management in terms of becoming more aggressive with surgery. So if, the, if it's mitral valve prolapse, the patient is a good surgical candidate and the valve can be repaired, we typically recommend that the patient goes for surgical repair. On the other hand, we also have transcatheter uh, techniques for mitral valve prolapse with severe regurgitation who aren't uh, good surgical candidates, and Dr. Reed can talk a little bit sure, more about that's, that. Sure, that's a perfect explanation, and uh, I think that really sums it up nicely, is that if patients are candidates for surgery, and they have degenerative mitral valve disease due to mitral valve prolapse, or a flail of their mitral valve, then we generally recommend surgery. And those patients that can't get surgery for one reason or another, they're high risk, then we can consider doing what's called a mitral clip procedure which is a catheter-based procedure, which is not surgery, but uh, is one in which we um, uh, go uh, in the veins of the body and uh, go uh, to the right side of the heart, across the right side of the heart with a catheter into the left atrium, 
and then um, we'll grasp the, both uh, leaflets of the mitral valve and uh, uh, attach a clip to it. And that generally does a very good job in reducing uh, mitral regurgitation, especially for patients with degenerative mitral regurgitation. Currently, patients that have functional mitral regurgitation or regurgitation due to the ventricle uh, dilating, uh, which is generally considered to be not a problem with the mitral valve itself, more a problem with the ventricle or the atrium, which are dilating and stretching things. But those are patients which we're currently enrolling in clinical trials for mitral valve um, uh, repair with MitraClip. And um, there were recently uh, some clinical trial data, which is very encouraging. But those patients may also benefit uh, from mitral valve uh, clip. So uh, I think the future is very bright in this area, and uh, we're very excited to evaluate patients with this, uh, with this uh, problem because if it isn't mitral clip that they're suitable for, oftentimes we can come up with a, uh, an innovative solution or a solution that other hospitals don't have available. That'd be through additional clinical trials or getting them plugged in with uh, one of our surgical colleagues uh, who can do uh, things that here, which a lot of places would not be able to do. So I think the multidisciplinary uh, team-based approach here is just one of the really special things about it. So some of the other uh, you know questions that we we had, um, you know, were about tricuspid valve disease. You know, we've talked about aortic valve and we're talking about mitral valve and now tricuspid valve disease. And what are the treatment options for that? And I think from our perspective, and my, my perspective is being an interventional cardiologist, I'm asked what, what catheter-based options are there for, for tricuspid valve disease right now. And um, at this point, it's all in clinical trials. However, there are some surgical options for patients that do have severe uh, tricuspid valve uh, regurgitation. Uh, so maybe Dr. Kwan can talk a little bit about what goes into the evaluation of a patient with tricuspid valve disease and when do you consider doing uh, a surgery for those patients. Mm -hmm. So tricuspid valve disease is a little bit more tricky in the sense that it's not as a clear-cut indication when we send patients as it is for left-sided disease. Um, but obviously, if a patient is having symptoms um, such as increasing fatigue, bloating, weight gain, uh, lower extremity edema, in the setting of significant tricuspid regurgitation, um, surgical therapy can be considered. However, it's also important to determine the etiology of the tricuspid valve disease. For instance, if a patient has significant pulmonary hypertension that's not reversible, then it's thought that tricuspid valve intervention will likely not be successful because the increased pressure on the pulmonary side will result in back pressure on the tricuspid valve and cause the valve to leak again. So um, determining whether or not tricuspid valve intervention is necessary, again, as a multidisciplinary approach. Um, typically, we'll um, evaluate the tricuspid valve, the presence of pulmonary hypertension, and then discuss whether significant um, success is likely. Um, and if that's the case, then we would then uh, proceed with doing surgical intervention. Great. So I think that's a, a pretty uh, good summary of um, you know, most of the questions that were asked, there were, there were some others about heart stenting and, and such that um, maybe I'll, um, you know, uh, not, not discuss any further right now given the focus of this being on valvular disease, but I hope this was informative. Uh, I hope that this aids to improve your health in some way. And if there's anything that we can do at the Cleveland Clinic to either give you a second opinion or a first opinion about your valve disease, please don't hesitate to reach out because we see patients um, from simple problems all the way to the most complex. I think we can almost always in every case help patients improve their health in some way. So, Thank you for your time. Thanks. Thank you for listening. 
We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Please subscribe and share the link on iTunes.